say something that uh, some of you will remember. I probably said not that long ago. I was getting ready to uh, come up and, and speak as I've done before many times. And I have my old faithful tablet with me. And uh, just the beginning of service, normally what I'll do is I'll turn it on just at the beginning of worship, just to make sure that I've saved the battery, it's fully charged, it's all good to go. Not that I may need it, but it'll just be ready. And I can't now tell you how many times it's decided at that very moment that it's going to go through its updates. <laughs> it's updating. <laughs> Which is really funny. I find it funny because, you know, the enemy tries to get us off course. He tries to get us, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he he uh, he wants to distract us and he wants to get us off our game. You know why? Because God loves us. I want you to say that God loves me. He's not mad at me. He wants to show his love for me. He does. Each and every one of us. He's not mad at us. He's not disappointed with us. <laughs> I'm saying this right with you. You know, it, it's funny, uh, Ashton, one of, the, one of the first things she said before we started singing is uh, you're doing your exhortation, right place, right time. First four words on this. You know, I, I mean, I mean, you know, we're going to sh share in the word tonight, and and there's a couple of different directions that that this could go, as is often the case, as he does with me. And I like it. You know, I am learning, as you will find out in a minute, to trust in Him, and not in my own strength and my own ability. You know, I've I've. Growing up, I learned, you know, effective speaking, and I learned instructional technique, and I learned a lot of different things. There's a lot of things that I could rely on trust on. But I would rather trust in the leading of His Holy Spirit. Sometimes that means getting into that little realm of the uncomfortable, when, you know, you're, you're prepared, but you're not really sure <laughs> what's going to happen. And, uh, and trusting in him is what I really want to focus. So if tonight had, had the, if there was a title, there's probably two. It's trust in the Lord and right place, right time. And we'll see which is more appropriate by the time we're done. You know, I, I start with right place and right time because... I've been working on a on a large renovation project in a building, and uh, and we're just about wrapped up. Praise God! Um, and and I'm not the project manager, although sometimes I wonder. Um, but nevertheless, we've been doing it, and and um, we're working on a on a main floor of a building, and there's another rental space, another occupied space below. So everything that we do that involves going 
between the floors is crucial that someone be at the right place at the right time. (laughs) Because you can be in the right place at the wrong time and have no effect. (laughs) Having to clean up after the mess is not as good as being there to prevent the mess. So let, let me let me crystallize this as an, as an example. We were doing core holes in concrete, right? So we're drilling through concrete, which involves water and heavy machinery. And we're in a finished space below. So when you're drilling through that four-inch concrete, you know what a piece of rock is like when it's 12 feet off the floor, right? So it's not something you want to drop. So the idea is, is that we know where it's coming in. You know, we've learned that we do test holes so that we can actually locate where it's going to be before it actually. And then you send somebody down, you know, to be underneath it so that to catch the water when it drips through the hole and catch the plug when it falls. That works when they're in the right place at the right time. If you're three feet to the wrong side of that hole, you could be at the right time, but you're in the wrong place. (laughs) And you could be standing right underneath it, right? If they're not doing anything yet, you're wasting your time. It's an illustration that's been speaking to me because so many times we can be distracted you know, I call it the squirrel syndrome at this point, you know, squirrel, you know, we, we, we leap off course and momentarily forget what we were doing. That's, I think, one of the primary modus operandi of the devil right now is to get us off course, to get us distracted, to get us to forget what it is that we're supposed to be looking at. And if you're anything like me, you may have wondered from time to time whether or not, you know, this is the right time, whether you've missed it or whether you've missed that golden opportunity. You know, you missed that, 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 uh, the door that you were supposed to walk through. You know, we, we, we live in a, in a, in a time where, um, social media plays such a prominent role, even if you don't necessarily participate in it. In it, there's a lot of people around you that do, and uh, I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on it. Sometimes I go looking for things and and you know see catch up on on people, catch up on things, what's doing. But the one thing I know is that that you see everybody. You, know, you don't see so much anymore, but everybody's seen the posters for movies that are coming out. You know, the, when, the, when there's a movie playing in a cinema and there's a poster and there's a picture on it, right? There might even be a couple of pictures. But those are pictures, I call them snapshots of the movie, right? They're not the movie. They're an image of the movie, which causes you to maybe to be, have some interest. That's the whole idea. The marketing department spend lots of money to try to get us to, to, to get your attention, get you to spend the money and go see the movie, right? We see a lot of, a lot of people's lives splashed about on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and you know, TikTok or whatever, the, the many other versions of them, which 
I don't know about. Um, and we see people, you know, when they're in their vacation and they're doing their, their travels and they're doing their trips and everything looks so wonderful. And what we see is snapshots of their movie, right? It's almost like the highlight reel, you know, the good stuff. There's not necessarily a whole lot of reality that takes place. We who may feel at the moment that you've missed something or you've missed out on something or, you know, you've been passed over or passed by or, you know, lost the opportunity. When we see those other things and what's going well for other people, we can sometimes lose focus on what's really important. If you're still breathing and everybody in here go, <gasps> go, <gasps> let me hear it. Let me hear that gasp of air. Come on, suck it in. <laughs> Empty the room, right? You're still breathing. You're still alive. You're not done. It's not too late. We serve a God who is not surprised by what happened an hour ago, 15 minutes ago, a year ago, six months ago, six years ago, 16 years ago, 60 years ago. He's not surprised. And you know what? He's not going to be surprised what happens 15 minutes from now either. It's not too late to praise the Lord. We need to remind ourselves that there have been whole nations, particularly the nation of Israel, that have been saved when not long before, it appears that all that was there was lost or broken dreams. You know, we, we can read, and I'm not going to spend all the time doing going through it tonight, because, again, in the interest of time, you know, we can look in Genesis 37 and read about Joseph, you know. We, we read about the, the, the young man who has a dream and is bold enough to tell his family about it. Not a choice that was wise at the time, but, you know, he didn't know it then. He spoke the dream. His brothers didn't like it. They sold him, after plotting to actually kill him first, but they sold him to be a slave, right? And then the slave traders sold him again to Potiphar. Potiphar was so impressed with Joseph and the kind of person that he was, and the kind of character that he had, that he was promoted to head of the house. So one minute he's betrayed by his brothers and down at the bottom of a pit, pulled out of the pit, and sold to a bunch of slave traders. Ends up in the hand of Potiphar. So now he's doing well. He's head of the house, right? What happens? He gets accused of rape. Finds himself thrown into prison. Wrongly accused, by the way. Thrown into prison, but he's in jail. But he's, again, his character is so godlike that the prison guards recognize him and actually make Joseph the head prisoner. Puts him in charge. I don't know what you're in charge of in prison, but for a prisoner to be in charge of in prison, he was it, right? While he's in there, of course, he, he, he is exposed to a couple of people that had dreams. You know, the butler's dream and the baker's dream. He correctly interprets them. Exactly what he said the dreams meant happened. But he was still in prison. 
And he was still in prison after that for another two years. Still in prison, still head prisoner, right? Lots of people come and go. Some get released. Some have their heads cut off. But then Pharaoh has a dream. Can't get it interpreted. Joseph gets called out. The next thing that happens is that Joseph is now prime minister, second in charge in all the country. No one higher except for Pharaoh himself. So Joseph is now in a place at a right time because all around the nations, there's a, there's a drought and a famine. There's, you know, seven years of plenty and then seven years. It's through Joseph being in that place that Israel the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons of Jacob are saved from starvation. So Joseph was in the right place at the right time. Why? Because he followed God. He believed in God and he exemplified the character of God. So in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, you know, we cannot, we, we have I got pages of samples we're not going to get to, right? The Bible is full of them, right? Of, of, of people in the right place at the right time. And what I'm encouraging you to do is if we look at, uh, let, let's, let's, let's go to the Word, because I definitely want to make sure we get some Word in before, uh, you know, not, not just me speaking highlight reels. So let's go to Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Who is God? He is God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Psalm 37, 7 similarly says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Now, again, we've talked about this before, again, with me being here. You know, it's hard to be still and patiently wait for him to act when you're a doer. It's hard to wait. It's hard to watch while seemingly nothing happens. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verse... Uh, five and six, six to start with. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and of course I'm in the New Living. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So how do you know which path to take? Seek his will. How do you know what not to do? Well, if you trust in him, you're not depending on your own understanding. Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come into him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So who did all the work here? He did. All we have to do is trust and receive and believe, right? Again, hard for a doer. Hard for a doer. Because you're thinking, oh, I got to make myself better. I got to, you know, self-improve and study and, you know, show my self-approved and I got to do and I got to be diligent and, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And you can get on the treadmill, right? And the speed just keeps on getting higher and higher and higher. Meanwhile, God's instructions were simple, right? Be still and know that I am God. Again, trust in him. Ephesians 1, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. My apologies. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God has decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Isn't that good news? Of all the things you heard today, isn't that good news? Got nothing to do with the carbon tax. It's got nothing to do with the humidity. It's got nothing to do with tornadoes or hurricanes or climate change. It's got to do with our future and eternity and our Heavenly Father who cared and loved us so much. See, in Jeremiah 29, a similar, a similar vein, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, there was some bad stuff going on, but this is what the Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. Just in case you don't know what you will find me means. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. 
So it doesn't matter how messed up we got. It doesn't matter how off track we may have become. It doesn't matter how far off the rails or off the, the plan we got. There is a hope for us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And he still wants to give it to us. His greatest desire is to see us happy, to see us healthy, to see us enjoying life, not just enduring life. <laughs> we live in a world with challenges. It's not like just people before us haven't been challenged either, but we got some challenging times around. But we have a victorious God. And his purpose is for us to be victorious. So in the midst of all that turmoil around about us, everybody complaining at the grocery store, the gas pumps, right? We should have an emanating peace. The peace that passes all understanding that dwells in us. I talked earlier about, you know, uh, nations have been saved and, and, you know, about us being in the right place, right time. You don't know right now necessarily what place the right place is, right time. Sometimes we find out afterwards that we were in the right place at the right time. We didn't know going into it that it was going to be the right place at the right time. We find out afterwards as a testimony. But savor those victories and declare those victories when they manifest. Preach to yourself. Share the story of the success, the good news. You know, where you had that time when you ministered to somebody or when you got that deal that was just beyond amazing. You know, when you were struggling and 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 something happened. You know, we... we um, where this stuff happens all the time and we we can so easily play it down or downplay it and and not you know make a big deal out of it and make no mistake it's not about us it's about him it's about his goodness to you that he is working with you and working through you. You might be the recipient or you might be the vessel. The nation of Israel was saved not only because of, of, of uh, Joseph, but had it not been for Abraham being obedient to the Lord and prepared to, to, to sacrifice Isaac, Isaac became a, a, you know, it's a type and a shadow, and Abraham's obedience is what made everything that we celebrate and believe today possible. See, we know this to be true, but again, sometimes we take it for granted. God's ways are not our ways. Have you noticed? In, uh, in Exodus chapter 15, and we might as well go there again so that you know that this is, this is coming right out, of, right out of the Word. Exodus chapter 15, 
And we're going to pick it up in verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of shore. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means better, bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Okay, so you got a problem with water, and you're throwing a piece of wood in it, and that's going to solve the problem. Well, not typically, but with God's direction. And again, had Moses not done what God had said to do, what would have happened to those millions of people in the desert after three days of no water? Crispy critters on day four. All right, let's look at a different example. And again, how do, how do we get to this place, right? Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Now, we know that, that learning to hear his voice and understand takes time. I know everyone in this room has, has had opportunity to hear his voice and is learning to discern. In this day and age, discernment among all the, the, the noise that we hear is becoming more and more critical, right? But we trust in the Lord. As we trust in the Lord, if you're trusting in the Lord, he will not see you fail. He will not let you fail. He loves you too much to see you fail. Now, that's not to say that you won't have some lessons to learn, right? Every child gets corrected by their parents because children make mistakes. We are children of God. We will make mistakes. He will correct us, but he still loves us, right? Let's get another example. 2 Kings 6, chapter 3. No, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 3. We will get there. And again, I'm just taking ec ec excerpts because I, I just want to show that things aren't always as they seem. So in this case, it says, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Now, let me just pause there for a minute. Everybody in this room know what an axe is, right? Now, we're talking about not a hatchet, you know, it's a little axe head. We're talking about an axe. They're cutting trees. Now, those would have been serious trees. So I'm suspecting this is a serious axe. Like we're talking a big 
heavy steel axe on a wooden handle. Have any of you ever had an axe or a hammer that had the wooden handle and be doing something and the head go flying off? I have. Right? So I can relate to this story. I've also had those axe heads and handles go to places that were not desirable, right? Ended up in places. In this case, it ended up in the water. And the one thing I know for absolute certainty, if I saw a steel axe head go into the water, I would not be expecting anytime soon to see that thing float. You use steel in anchors. Anchors hold things down and keep them in place, right? So you're not expecting it to float. Especially not by throwing a stick over the place where it fell. Right? But let's read on. So he threw, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed it. And the day was saved. And that story is still being told today because I just told it again, (laughs) right? That is the amazing God we serve. It doesn't have to be ordinary. It doesn't have to be extraordinary, but it goes to show the character of God. But had Elisha not listened when God must have told him to get a stick, because how else would you know to throw a stick on top of an axe head to get it to float? Because are you expecting it to float? We can't, even, we can't even say at this point that it was a great work of faith. There's nothing in this passage of Scripture before or after that says that Elisha had axe head floating faith. But what he had was trust in his God. So I don't care, no, I don't like that phrase. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through. We have a loving God. We all said together at the beginning when we started, God loves me. I am loved by God. Say it again. I am loved by God. God wants the best for me. He doesn't just want good enough. He wants the best for us, each and every one. 2 Kings chapter 5, another another familiar passage. But I am going somewhere. I will try to make this work. I got pages all over the place here, but it's all good. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. So, of course, Naaman is a leper, right? So Naaman went, <laughs> put a, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. 
I thought he certainly would have come out to meet me and said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord is God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? And how many times had he been in them and not been healed, by the way? Okay. So Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Isn't that amazing? But it's a question of being in the right place at the right time, isn't it? Naaman in order to receive his healing, couldn't be dipping in the Farpar River seven times. Because it wasn't the Farpar River that had the manifested heal. And six times wasn't enough. How many times do we stop one time short? Also the first part, then he went away in a rage because it didn't go the way he expected. <laughs> How many of us are guilty of that at one time or another? I know I have to raise my hand. But see, we're learning. This is all examples. See, we, you know, we, we go through and we read, and, and we can go over this stuff sometimes, and some of this may seem elemental. But sometimes things can become so complicated, we need to go again to the foundation, to the roots to remember what it is that we may have forgotten. It all comes down to trust and obedience. You know, there's other stories with, with, uh, with Elijah, and we're not, we're not going to go there now, uh, where Elijah was, was, you know, the great drought, and with droughts come famines, right? And, and he was fed by the ravens and drunk by the river until the river dried up. But his provision was where? Where God told him to go. And then when the river dried up, where did he end up? Ended up with a widow who had in Zarephath who had nothing. Was getting ready to prepare her last meal. And the Lord made a way. But he had to go. And she had to obey. I could still read the headlines now if this was to try to happen today. Yeah. Just turn with me back, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to just recap a little bit. And we're going to start in verse 1. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. It doesn't say that your life is going to be full of stress and anguish. It says your life will be satisfying. 
Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Verse 4, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Of course, our anchor here, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. In the amplified version of verse 6, it says, in all your ways, know recognize and acknowledge him and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Verse seven, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Oh, get this verse eight. Hang on to this one. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Not sickness, not weakness, not pain, not despair. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child when he delights, in whom he delights. Joyful is a person who finds wisdom the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in your right hand and riches and honor in her left. So she will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold tightly to her. This indulge me a few more minutes. Verse 19. By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding he created the heavens. By his knowledge the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and do settle beneath the night sky. My child... Don't lose, I love this one. I, I Don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. It's a phrase I use more often than I like to these days. It seems that, you know, we refer to it as the uncommon sense. It seems to have got filtered out with the water. Don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. We got examples of this right in this room. You need... Uh, Okay, verse 26. For the Lord is your security. Hallelujah. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Verse 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow. Then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. For those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason. 
when no one has done harm to you. The world needs to hear this. <laughs> Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord, but he offers his friendship to the godly. The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. So again, back to verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take and the right time to be there. I think that's as far as I dare go. God is good, amen? Did, I get, did, I, did you get encouraged tonight? Father, thank you. Again, I thank you, sincerely thank you for this opportunity that many might take for granted, but the opportunity that we have to gather freely and openly in this place. We don't have to do it covertly. We don't have to do it behind closed doors. Our doors are open, unlocked. The windows are uncovered. We thank you for the freedom. We thank you that we are your ambassadors. Help us to learn and to show forth your glory. That we would carry your glory with you as we go, everywhere we go, all the time, that your goodness and glory will radiate from us. We thank you that every need is met. Physical, financial, mental, emotion. We thank you that you are the God the great God, the only true and living God, and that you love us and you want what's best for us. We thank you for your divine power and we thank you for the way that you do things. And we look forward to being able to tell the testimonies of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.